In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Please be seated. Who is saved? Pope John Paul II or Adolf Hitler? Who is saved? Martin Luther or Saddam Hussein? Who is saved? The pastor or the atheist? Who is saved? The pedophile or you? Who is saved? The Democrats or the Republicans? We've all said this before. We laugh a little, we giggle. Somebody dies, maybe somebody famous, somebody that you know how they've lived. And we all say, well, I think I know where he or she is right now. As if we know people's hearts. Looking at those examples, we can look at these people and we can say, yeah, probably, yeah, probably not. But this is where Jesus says to you and to me, Judge not, lest you be judged. Condemn not, lest you be condemned. Forgive, and it will be forgiven. I know the world likes to say that in terms of looking at us Christians and saying, you guys think you're better than everybody else. You think you live these wonderful lives against everybody else. But what Jesus is saying there is, is that you do not sit on his seat of judgment, and neither do I. You don't bring his kingdom... He does. There's a teaching within a lot of churches today, primarily it's a teaching of the Reformed churches, that's called the limited atonement. Basically that means that Jesus just died for the believers. Jesus just died for those who call themselves Christians. Well, how do you know if they're Christians? They would probably say, well, you know how they're Christians because of how they live their life. Really? How have I lived my life? How have you lived your life? It's not perfect. Lutherans say, rubbish. Christ died for all. Unlimited atonement. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God did not give his life of his son just for a few people who say they believe. It is given for all. You hear a lot in our society today, people shout and scream for equality. Equality amongst races and creeds. Equality amongst sexual orientation. Equality amongst immigrants versus people who've lived here. And how do we respond? It sounds nice. But in many ways we think, well, equality for me, but not for them, or vice versa. Even the people within those own camps, they can't agree about equality amongst themselves. The scriptures tell us the world is not going to be fair, and it's not, and it's never going to be. The psalmist says it this way, we are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to, to despair. Ecclesiastes 9.11 says it this way, I have observed something else under the sun. The fastest runner does not always win the race. 
And the strongest warrior does not always win the battle. The wise man sometimes goes hungry, and the skillful are not always necessarily wealthy. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It's all decided by chance, by being at the right place at the right time. And our Lord says it to us as well, very plainly. The poor will always be with you. We can talk about equality. We can set up the judgment seats. We can look at all of these things today. But this is why Jesus has to come in and rock your world and mine. He has to shake us up from our own little kingdoms that we build up against each other. And he ushers in the kingdom of God the reign and rule of God, and he sets it up whether you like it or not. That's what you have in the parables. The parables are not moral stories that you now have to go and do and be generous because God is generous or whatever else it is. The parables show us how the kingdom of God works, and it doesn't make sense. In fact, you might actually say, it's downright insane. Jesus talks about this today with the master in the vineyard. He goes out and hires some people at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day and people in between. It's fascinating, though, because Jesus is using a term here that we might not necessarily think of. These are not skilled, skilled tradesmen. These men that he are, is hiring are day laborers. They're the people that you see out at the parking lot of Home Depot and Lowe's who are going up to the construction companies as they're getting their supplies and saying, do you have any work for me? They're unemployed. In fact, in Jesus' time, a day laborer was below a slave. A slave at least had housing and food and drink. A day laborer had absolutely nothing. And this master goes out and hires these day laborers. This would maybe be like this. Jeffrey Bezos, whatever his Amazon guy, chairman and CEO, going out to the 630 underpass and calling out the strung out people to come and work for Amazon. That wouldn't make sense, right? Bezos has better things to do. He's got people that can go do that for him. But Jesus says, ah, 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 this is how the kingdom of God works. And he goes out and he says to these guys at the beginning of the day, you go and I will give you a healthy wage. But here's the thing as well. He not only goes out to those guys at the beginning of the day, but he also goes out to those guys at the third, sixth, ninth hour, and even the eleventh hour, and you might say, well, why is Bezos going to every bridge? Why is he going out and bringing all these people in? He's got people that are CFOs and people who are driving their little vans around town recklessly. He's got all of these people. Why does he keep hiring them? How does he know that they need employment? But it's not even here that the master says, I need more workers. The master says, these people are in dire need. I'm going to be generous and take care of them by giving them a job. 
This would be like Bezos hiring way more people than he needs. You'd look at it and say, your profits are going to go out the door and you're going to pass it on to us and now we don't get free shipping and everything else. We would look at this and say, this is insane. But Bezos would simply say, I'm taking care of these people who are in need. That's the beauty of the kingdom of God. The master doesn't need to be generous. He doesn't need to hire all these people but he does. And you might say, well, am I hired? Am I brought into this? Absolutely. But it's not even about how much you have done here or how long you've been a Christian or anything else. It is about the fact that the master has called you in baptism. He has called you into his kingdom. He has called you into his grace. That's what this parable is all about. It's all about God's grace. Grace that you don't deserve. Grace that I don't deserve. Grace that Hitler didn't deserve. Grace that the pedophile or the Republican doesn't deserve. Grace that none of us deserve because we have set up our own kingdom that is so centered all about us. And here's the amazing thing. In the midst of God's kingdom here today, Jesus says not only does he hire these people, but then there is payday. You, go out and hand out the paychecks. And there you see equality. The guy that worked 12 hours a day gets a denarius, which the master said that's what you'd get. And the guy who was pulled out from under the bridge who worked one hour gets the same wage. Well, that's not fair. Start a union. We're going on strike. And do you notice how the people who've received the kingdom of God from the master respond? You have made them equal to us. You have made Hitler equal to the Pope. And so forth. That is how the kingdom of God works. For the Lord our God is the God of gods and Lord of lords, the great the mighty awesome who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. God has come to tear down your kingdom and my kingdom, but not to leave you dead and condemned as I deserve or you deserve. He comes in to usher his grace all for you. We cannot accuse him of any injustice or any inequality. And while those people I mentioned here at the beginning might make you bristle a little bit with some of these things, God says that he has even come for them. He has come for the whole world. We don't believe in limited atonement. Do you look at the worst of the worst that you can think of in your mind and hope and pray that you would see them in the kingdom of heaven on the last day? Well, you don't know what they did. They did terrible things. They absolutely done terrible things. Well, I have too. But this is why, thanks be to God, it's not up to me to give this out or you. Because in the end, in eternal life, it would just be me and not you. This is why Jesus has to come and throw us on the side of our ear as Luther would say, and to shake us up with what he is doing. 
And so where does that leave you today? It leaves you with the idea that God's kingdom has been ushered in. He has called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light in your baptism. He has proclaimed today that he has forgiven your sins of self-centeredness and your own little world. He has come to stamp that down and to build up his kingdom. And he comes today to basically say this to you. Rather than asking who is saved... Ask, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? God has called you into your various spots in life. Inside the church, outside of the church, it is now no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. No matter where you're at, no matter what you do for a living, even if you're retired I talk about this all the time with the homebound folks who say, I just can't do anymore. God has placed you there. Pray. Pray for me. Pray for the church. Pray for others. In all of this, as the kingdom of God's grace comes into your midst, it's not just something that we say, thanks be to God, he forgives us. It changes you to how you view everybody around you out there and even in here. Because in here is where the devil works the most and how we set up our judgment thrones and yet Jesus keeps bringing his throne of grace in your midst week in and week out. Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, which means you cannot despise your fellow human beings. No matter if they're rooting for the 49ers, no matter if they're a donkey or an elephant, no matter if they're trying to cross our border illegally, human beings are human beings, created, created in the image of God, just like you. But this is incredibly hard because I don't want to make my neighbor equal with me. This is why Paul reminds us, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would, make it any, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. That's obviously speaking about the life of the church in and amongst us. But we don't keep all of this here to ourselves. We go out as salt and light, as Jesus says, to bring about salt and light to those around us. Not sitting there saying, well, I've got to be able to quote the right kind of Bible passage to my atheist co-worker, but to be kind to them, to speak well of them, to help them in their time of need, because everyone is important. Every person is valuable. But also know this, that doesn't mean that we do away with sin. It doesn't mean that we don't look at everybody and say, well, whatever they're doing is just perfectly fine and 
everything is fine with me, God still sets up his law amongst us. And he would hope and pray that not only you would repent, but all would repent of where we have gone against him. But knowing this, we all equally receive his grace. And so what that means, not only in that way for the church, but also for your own life, there is now no more animosity amongst Christians. There's no place for rudeness amongst Jesus' disciples. Criticism, gossip, condemning others should not be in your mouth. You should not be holding grudges against family members, co-workers, or fellow students. Jesus in his kingdom does not want any division. Paul says it this way, God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. I think it's fascinating with what happens to some of these workers who object to the master's goodness. They have the kingdom of God in their midst. But they also say, you have made them equal to us. It's not fair. And I think it's fascinating because the master doesn't sit there and say, give me the denarius back. He still gives it. He still gives it to them. But he also says this, I can give this as well to whoever I want. Even if you don't deem them to be worthy of my grace and my salvation, I will work when and where I please, even if you don't want that to be the case. Why? Because that's how Jesus spoke from the cross. He didn't just speak for the believers. He spoke for the whole world. You know it well. Forgive them all, for they know not what they do. So don't ask the question, who was saved? Because not only does that make you the judge, it also might make you question where you stand before God as well. In your sin and in my sin, we stand condemned. But God does not want us to be sitting in his wrath and his fear. His grace comes to you this day, and he proclaims that you are his beloved child, receiving the richness and beauty of his grace and forgiveness. The question really should be, who did Jesus die for, and who is his grace for? It's for the Pope, it's for Hitler, the atheist, the pastor, it's for everyone. And in the end, we should pray that many, many more could come to this place because as Jesus tells us, through his cross, through his resurrection, through his kingdom, I choose to give who I want to give. I choose to give this to the last and the first. The resurrection of Christ is your great victory, is your great gift of God's grace to you today. No matter how much or how little you have done 
with your life. That's because God's kingdom is not your kingdom. And all that we can simply do is receive it and pray and give and work, not with a begrudging master, but as one who has poured out himself richly and freely. Pray and give and work for the benefit of your neighbor so that they too might be in this place to receive the kingdom of God that is yours today. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>